I don't care if people like me. That's, I've, I'm fine. But I, I want to keep a similar standard. I'll, if you If you don't like me, I want to be at the point where you continue to watch because you don't like me more and more every day because the show's the same. That's what I want. And it's a lot, at times it's been, there's been a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, just bang on the table if you feel the emphasis for it. Done. Yeah. We, we turned off the screen so that you don't get distracted by... Good good call. Yeah. We've had a few times where people come on and, you know, they're talking and then suddenly you see them doing this. And, like, at one point they start adjusting themselves. <laughs> I'm like, this is not That's exactly work. what I would have done. <laughs> well, listen, um, I'm really excited that you're on here. The I've been tuning in to the stuff you've been doing when you were doing radio for sports and then when you had the Tim and Sid show... I used to watch that religiously, and I needed to start I'm off so this sorry. segment. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I needed to start off this segment <laughs> by expressing my appreciation for the hours that we shared together. Even though you didn't know I existed, I knew you existed. But all those really long commutes across the 401, you were on the radio, and I just want to say a quick thank you to start because that was really helpful. Plus, you... You sh- you essentially set out loud what I was feeling inside about the Leafs, the Raptors, the Blue Jays, and so on. So well, it's very nice of you to say. And after knowing me for fifteen minutes in this way, I've completely disappointed you, haven't I? <laughs> you <laughs> no. can say that. <laughs> no, no, you can say that. That's been, fine. You've been okay so far. <laughs> like there, there, we still have like another what fifteen minutes yeah, or so before you can for me to ruin it. Yeah, yeah, there'll be plenty of opportunities. But you're on breakfast television now, right? Is BT National? Between 8.30 and 10 a.m. Yeah. So I, yeah. someone had said it was national. Someone told me it wasn't. And I was like, I'm pretty We, we break up the show. There's a there's a strictly hyper-local Toronto section, which right. lasts for several hours. And at 8.30, and this was uh, this was just kind of a pandemic thing that happened. Right. Um, and it helped make money because the ad rates do go up. They decided to go national right. and stagger it in time zones across the country between 8.30 and 10. It's kind of a genius move. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a mix. It's a, it's always, BT's have been always a unique show. It's, and it's in that way, it's, it's more unique. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? Love it. Yeah. Love it. How did you move from sports to BT? What was that transition even like? It was, this, like none of it was, I'm, I want to say this carefully. None of it was that hard. Because I'd been in a certain headspace doing sports forever. Everything that we kind of talk about now on BT, aside from a few things that I did have to learn, like lifestyle segments were a learning experience. I wasn't used to them. But aside from that off the front, I mean, if we're we're talking pop culture, I could could hang in a conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. If we're talking politics, I could definitely hang in a conversation. If we're, and we talk about sports on BT, yeah. so that's kind of what I was used to. And the, the it was it wasn't it wasn't that difficult because the team is is that good. Mm. And and when I got there, like it helps when like Dina Pugliese was a very giving host, very giving, and uh, she let me act like an idiot <laughs> and at times we were kind of we, we were there together yeah um they gave me some freedom like it could have went horribly right but my i feel like the story of my career is if you trust me i'm not gonna screw this up and i just found i, I always found a lot of things interesting not just sports Sports is is has been and st- still is a deep, deep, deep passion for me. Mm. But like a- any election cycle in this country or outside of this country, 
I was hooked into, any news story I was hooked into. Like, okay. I'm just, I've always been a news junkie, always. So, I it wasn't like lifestyle I had to learn a few things because yeah. there is a way you do it. Yeah. And there were things I didn't know. Um, How long have you been in this industry now? I started, uh, I was on air for the first time, I think it was 2004. How long before you got to air? Um, I'm sorry. On camera, my first show was 2004. I'd been voicing highlights for the score television network slash headline sports. Mm -hmm. Not far from here on King. I was 20 years old when I got on air. And so you've been doing this over 30 years. Yeah, I've been doing this a long, long time. Which I think is an important piece of information because sometimes people who aspire to, to jump into these kinds of roles think that it just happens... Very not the way like when I when I was at Humber College and it was a great two years in Humber College for radio the one thing they were very um, honest about is if you think you're just gonna get up out of here go down highway 27 and get a job in Toronto you're not and 9.8 times out of 10 they were correct especially in radio right like yeah. I didn't do I didn't learn TV and mid-market, like London, Ontario, is from really good markets, but they they were really hammering into us. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not just gonna go to TSN. You're not just gonna go to the Fan 590. Like that's not gonna happen. And, uh, and at 20 years of age, I found myself on an internship through the program at Headline Sports. And if you were young and cheap, then you were Headline Sports material. <laughs> they were they were giving people crazy like national television opportunities it was nuts wow. it was nuts and i i got my first anthony chichoni was a program director and he put me he just let me voice highlights back then highlights were the internet yeah like highlights were king you found out yeah they were king yeah and i was 20 when i started voicing highlights and i'm very proud of that because it's messed up to be 20 and starting in the business I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Um, but there was a bunch of us there, and it was sink or swim, and it was a tough place, but, like, you either figured it out... Or you didn't. Or you didn't. Yeah. And, like, I knew this was what I wanted to do. So I did not think TV would become part of this. Yeah. I'm sure there are people in this country who hate the day TV became a part of this for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it just kind of happened. Yeah. And... um I, I, I've, I've been very lucky. That's why I like doing this type of form of conversation because BT is unbelievable. We are lightning quick. We have a lot of amazing sponsors we have to uh, give time to. Sure. Uh, but to sit here in an hour-ish forum with you or anyone to talk about what I've done, like I'm 46, but I feel like I've lived a, like a lot of broadcasting years. Right. And... Uh, I'm very proud of that. I'm very, very proud of that. Like I've been, I've been on, I've been able to do things on platforms I grew up watching, which is really fucked up. Oh, pretty cool though. Like it's really cool, but like if you, like you go back and you think about it, like 18 year old me, yeah, I would not have believed 46 year old me that that this is happening. Where you'd be. One of the one of the things I've come to learn after starting the podcast was there was that initial excitement no matter what was happening in your life you were always ready you were on and as you start to do more and more and more of these you know there'd be days where i'm like i'm tired i'm mentally exhausted whatever the case may be but i'm not live you're live on tv how do you deal with the moments where you get up and you're just like i don't know if i could do this today i'm just not I'm not feeling it. The energy's low. I didn't sleep well. Whatever the case may be. You said you were up at 3.30 in the morning. So, you know, that's hard <laughs> for me to even hear, let alone do. <laughs> so how do you, you know, like, how do you work through some of those days where you're just like, I got to be on live TV. I got to bring my all. And I'm not really there. Uh, coffee's good. Coffee's a good one. I'm not a coffee drinker, though. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't drink coffee. We have to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> We have to, I, I don't, I respect folks who can get through the day without, uh, without a double, double, <laughs> but I need and love me. Like I, I couldn't, I know caffeine is not great for you in large doses, 
but I've always, and you know, it's interesting you bring that up because I've, you know, you have your physicals, you talk to your doctors, you go to a clinic, you do the thing. I'm 46. I know it looks like I'm an, I'm an Adonis. I'm not. I'm not in the best shape. I'm not in the worst shape. Like I'm not, I don't smoke, but I can have uh, a beverage now and again. I could be better, mm. as we all know. We could always be better. We could all be better, yeah. <laughs> health-wise. Yes. And there have been moments where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to change this. And I'm going to change that. And I'm going to do things really differently because I believe I can be better. And the doctor I just spoke to made it sound super easy. <laughs> so why not give it a try? And I do. Okay. And I go into work. And, my, and I'm not as wound up as I normally am. And it affects the work. And I've had a running conversation with my wife for like 20 years, I feel like, about my the way I, I the, the amount of caffeine I have and types of sugars and the job I have and what I need to do to get ready for that job because she's mm. super healthy. Right. I am not. And I feel like if I'm not jacked up for shows, they're not good shows. And that was the same thing with Tim and Sid. That was That was... I picked it up with Tim and Sid um, when we kind of towards the end of our time at, at the score before we went to the Fan 590. I realized I was better after a couple coffees. Like I just can't be – agitation brings me career opportunities because I look at things a little differently than some people. Like if I, if I, if I approach things in a mellow, chilled out, low blood pressure state – I don't think I would have a career and I'm not, I know you're looking at me like I'm joking. <laughs> I have had this internal dialogue with myself for decades. Okay. And whether it was at Sportsnet or here at breakfast television, it's been the same thing. I can't, I can't be chill about a lot of subjects and do my job properly. I need, to, I'm not as engaged. Mm. I'm just not as engaged. If I'm agitated, and I'm irritated, I find something that, oddly enough, not only I can latch onto, but I find there are people listening or watching in whatever platform I've worked that are kind of thinking the same thing. And I, I don't know how the two connect. It resonates. But I've, but I've had a hard time figuring that out. Why does my agitation, <laughs> which is what it is, sometimes connect well, not all the time well I'll, I'll, i can i can i think i can answer that um there'd be times where i remember i'd be coming home and i'd be in the car with my father and we'd have you on the radio and you'd be talking about the blunder that the leafs put out the night prior and there was agitation in your voice and there was emotion and it was the only times my father would turn to me and go this man gets it because you're voicing things for the people out there that are that want to say these things, but you're putting it into words, and they also know you're saying it to the masses. So they're thinking, yes, you're you're actually saying to people what I've wanted to say, but if I said it, nobody would listen. But I never played in the NHL. I don't think that matters. Does it? No. There are people, and I've worked with plenty of people, and they've never come after me for this, ever. Like friends of mine. We've always had the discussion of does that matter? Because I can't ever push back on that because I didn't play in the National Hockey League. I didn't play in the I NBA. Don't think like that matters though. Because I mean, like, is that really any different than oh, it, by that logic? Then you can't have an opinion on politics. You can't have an opinion on food. You can't have an opinion on like. See, I, so many... See, I could have an opinion on politics. Is most of them aren't smart. <laughs> but the... that's why I could have an opinion <laughs> on politics. But when it comes to sports, even if you haven't played the sport. You could be an observer of the sport. You can dedicate hours watching the sport, examining it, analyzing it, talking to the people who have played the sport, and being able to, to put yourself in a position where you formulated an opinion on something that's educated. It's not just some random person on Twitter who just watch a highlight and goes, this was bad because, right? I, I am lucky in that I had an opportunity to, to work in the dressing rooms for a while. Yeah. Like during Vince Carter's era, during like the last really really good what Leafs was that team. Like? uh vince carter yeah it was a circus both good and, both good and bad both good and bad like 
when he got back from the dunk contest that all-star weekend where yeah. he became the guy like he i didn't recognize him because like he seemed mythical to me it was nothing he did he addressed the he addressed us the same way he always addressed us yeah. he was a polite guy but like it was like it, jordan walked in the room like on the court like for a uh, morning shoot around yeah and I'm like, and I remember he came back, and remember one of the dunks he put his hand through. Yeah, there was the hot story that day when he came back was did he hurt himself doing it? <laughs> and we were all just like, we're all we're all trying to assess. We're talking to the camera, like, get looking the at his get hand. <laughs> but that was wild because it should have been way better. Yeah, and I think he he took a lot of things to heart. He's a great player, but he took a lot of things to heart. And then it got silly at the end. He wasn't going to dunk, and it was just. It's just dumb. Hmm. Um, but that was a wild time. Uh, the the Leaf teams with like Matt Sundin and Gary Roberts and Tucker Ed and... Belfour. Like that was a good, good. That 2014 probably, they lost to Philly in the second round. They should have yeah. went. They right. should have went one more yeah. for sure. Um, Pat Quinn teams. I miss Pat Quinn. Um, but those were, those were fun times. And I got to see some stuff. Hmm. And what don't people realize? That in, reporters see in the rooms, yeah, you're not important. Like, you know, you know what really bothers me is when, especially in sports, because I've been in the situations for the most part. In when you cover a sports team, there is a PR person whose job it is to make sure everything's organized and their guys aren't saying something stupid on mic and to save them from bad stories. And be, being a public relations sports person is not an easy job no but there is there is a sectioned time for the most part unless you have opportunities like this with you and i when you're just scrumming reporters and you're just getting just a couple sound bites here or there like i would hear people go well i he's you know that's a long time friend of mine because because you you talk to him for five minutes every morning after a skate this is the reporter this is a reporter player like we don't that's not the type of relationship that exists. No. I'm there to use them. They are there to use me. The second the press gets bad, go kick rocks. Right. On their end. And they're entitled to it. It's their organization. They can decide whatever they want. Um but like it did it it did allow me at least to say to folks when I started talking about sports, and like Tim McAuliffe. Tim McAuliffe was in the same spot. We both were in the dressing rooms. Yeah at various times and we've seen things and we we just there there's a way there's a way to talk to an athlete which is both respectful and 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 effective enough to get some kind of quote out because their job is to give you nothing they are literally given classes in training camps especially rookies on how to give you shit nothing and we have to work around that. But that's the job. I have no problem with that. And I remember, you know, Bob McCowan on the Fan 590. That's why he kind of stopped having athletes on. He's like, they don't tell them, they don't tell us anything. I'm like, Bob, you're right. I still liked having them on because once in a while. You get something. If you hit something, then that story, that copy runs where it's like, DeMar DeRozan said this on Tim and Sid or blah, blah, blah. Dion Phaneuf said this on Tim and that, that can matter. That yeah. has tangible value to it if you were sitting behind microphones like tim and i at that station at the time yeah or any other podcast right now 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 the podcasts rule that clip space and there's nothing wrong with it people people are always like oh it was taken out of context it was like what and (laughs) (laughs) i get taken out of context nine times a show (laughs) on social media it is what it is is that why you don't reply on social media uh or why you don't engage I just don't have the time. Yeah. I don't. I don't have the time. I res- I respect people who engage. I've been surrounded by by people who engage on social media my entire career. Uh, Meredith, Meredith Shaw, Devo, Dina, Tim, a lot of people. I don't have the patience for it. Because mm. I'm. If you want to follow me, that's great. That's great. Like I, I don't have the time to. Like. I don't have, I just don't feel like uh, that's something I have to do. Okay. And frankly, it's been proven 
that there's another way to do it. But I respect people who do. Like it's a it's it's a nice thing to do. Yeah. I sometimes get a little short, <laughs> and and I'm like I'm not doing this right now. Yeah. So uh, I get it, but it's just never been. Because, Has it ever gotten you in trouble? To not go to Sorry. not go back and forth. No, no. Let me rephrase. Has ever has being short ever gotten you in trouble in your career? Because you started off by talking about how you have to be wound up and almost agitated to do your job the best possible way you can, and I imagine that can also sometimes mean you're going to be short because you have to be aggressive enough to head in a certain direction. Has that ever put you in a, a an awkward spot? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's tough to turn off. Like when I when I get in a mood, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you can't just leave that if you can't just leave the desk. Like I I do respect people that can quote quote unquote leave it at work. I've I've had a hard time leaving it at work my entire career because hmm. I care about it. I care about it, and it's it's a trait I wish I had. I'm envious. I really am. But I've put too much into this. So sometimes I take it home. And I should maybe leave it in the closet. Does that affect uh, the home space? No. Well, well, venting's good. My wife's amazing. Mm. Like, venting's good. And it's just, it's an amazing business. But, like, there, we all have days where it's like, that should have went differently. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I do put a lot of, uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, to just, you know, keep being as engaging as I can. I don't care if people like me. That's, I've, I'm fine. But I, I want to keep a similar standard. I'll, if you If you don't like me, I want to be at the point where you continue to watch because you don't like me more and more every day because the show's the same. That's what I want. And it's a lot, at times it's been... There's been a lot of pressure, in turn, like on, that I put on myself. Why? Because I've seen what it's like when I get in that headspace. In terms and, of like producing, like you just the show like in general, the feel of the show, right? Uh, and it's beneficial to everybody. Myself, the team, the vibes good mm. when it's a little crazy, when it's light, and I like that. I like that. Those are the best shows on with Tim McAuliffe, the best shows on BT I've ever done. Everything was really light, and I was wired. Whether it was on a negative connotation or some a great story that we could chew on, or really positive. Yeah. Like those. Those are the great, great days. So I, I do put a pressure on myself to be in that place. Like I just can't. You can't come in. I can't mail in a show. I don't know how. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I don't. I want the the content needs to be inter if the content's not interesting to me or us why the fuck are people watching and listening it's a fair point and that you know that was always 9.5 times out of 10 with Tim and Sid or with BT I th I've always found our best shows were all wired into what we're doing and I find people will follow that and if we make it interesting to them too you got a show hmm you got something people want to consume. And you need you need bosses to give you this kind of freedom. Like I it, it's not it's not realistic for a lot of bosses in Canadian broadcasting to give me the freedom and the shows have been on the freedom that we've had. It's been very unique. Uh unique's probably a good word, especially living in a time where things are you know, you, you almost have to be a lot more careful with what you say. And being on live TV, I imagine that's a steep hill to fall off if 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 you come across that um do you feel you still have that flexibility consistently yeah 100 percent. what happens if that was taken away what what would happen if that was taken away could you considering who, who, how you've described yourself could you still continue in your authentic form giving it what you give it if you couldn't if you, and not by choice, but by external factors. Probably not. Probably not. But it's not something I think about. Like my my boss, Laura Ryder, who's the executive producer of um, BT and City Line. She, like I I lucked out 
in I got a lottery ticket that hit because she was looking for someone to stir the pot on that show mm. and there's not a lot of people who kind of wanted to do it the way she wanted to do it and she didn't know me at all when we started talking about this possibility so I, th- like the more the more we talked the more we were we were alike on a lot of big fundamental editorial aspects of television i like it freewheeling let's see what happens let's be a little loud if it's all scripted it's not good and she was looking for something like that and i it i i I don't think about that now Hmm. laura's an incredible person to work for kevin frechette our supervising producer he he trusts me if if one day no one trusted me, <laughs> I think that would partly be my fault. If I'm being honest, because like I think if I'm in that chair too, I gotta know. Like I can get close to the line, and can't then I can over. and then I come back up. If you go over a line, eh, that's on you. Mm-hmm. That's not a boss thing. That's not a producer thing. That's not a co. That's we're all adults here. Yeah. So I've you. I've been you know I've been reprimanded a couple times for things I've said. Not many. But um, the freedom I'm getting is huge. So I don't think about that now <laughs> at all. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I, I know me. I might get bored out of my mind if I couldn't give an opinion on air. <laughs> I don't know if I'm valuable to anyone if I can't give an opinion on air. I mean, I could throw to break. I could do all the things. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I'm, I could do it. Uh. But there is a like this like this point in my career is 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 similar. Like at the fan, I knew after a point. I knew I knew everyone in the city, sports wise, like PR people, mm-hmm. assistant GMs, blah blah blah. I knew we had people's ear. Cause we were doing stuff differently. And I know now I can I won't I won't tell you how I could confirm it, but I know every politician in this province, in this city, in this country is either watching us live or checking out the clips on YouTube or TikTok or wherever we're posting. It is exhilarating to be at the front of the class with a with a stick. Say so class is in session. Everyone eyes up front. That's what I feel like doing breakfast television. And it's amazing. Because I'm also I also care about these things. Like I care like I get agitated when politicians make lazy mistakes. Like I care when people in Toronto are freaking out because they think property taxes are going up nearly 20%. That will change people's lives. We're talking about things that sports is amazing, but to broaden it into what we're doing now, into what I've been allowed to do now on this show is one of the most unique experiences of my life. There's more meaning in it. I think so. Yeah. But sports was like, there's meaning, there was meaning in that too, but it was a different kind of meaning. Like, right. like, but the reaction was the same online, especially. Like, people's passion for the Leafs, in a lot of ways, is no different than their passion for whoever's running the political party of their choice. Right. Everything's teams-based now anyway. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. It's not a good thing. But so that's the reality of it. So it's just, it's a really, like fun's not the word. We have a responsibility. Well, I was going to ask you. It's a yeah. pretty big responsibility. It, it is. It is, but. I mean, to, to, to the people listening who tune in daily, you're in some shape or form their representative. They continue to tune in because you are voicing things for them. Yeah, yeah. When when they agree. Oh yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but that's there's the rub. They don't right. like. I. I feel a lot of different ways about this country and the politics in this country. Hmm. So. Do you feel the, does the pressure ever get to you? Um, only when there's like. Like if there's. If there is a stressful moment online where like there's some backlash. Mm-hmm. There, uh, so, w- sometimes, 
it gets to me a little bit. And it only gets to me when like other uh, requests are being made in the station. Mm-hmm. And, and you're kind of, you're looking at this and you're going, hmm, it's starting to run now. It's getting a lot of pub. And your your mind is kind of somewhere else a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but those those moments have, n- have been few and far between. How do you bring yourself back from those moments? Um, I've learned. What's the trick or the technique? The trick is that this isn't real. The trick is that this dies down in three days and the swarm of bees are on to the next thing. Because once in a while you'll be, somebody told me, just, what's the line? Somebody said, what, you, your goal every day when you wake up is to not be that person on Twitter. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the goal. Hmm. A couple times I, and I've accidentally dragged people with me, have been those people and that person on Twitter. So, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last. Because my only concern is, if you have the trust of your bosses, fuck them. Like I need, I need to trust of like two or three people. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And as long as you have that, ultimately. I mean, I, again, I, I, I firmly believe whether it's at the fan or at Sportsnet or here at BT, there is, there is a, there is a crouton, at the minimum, of truth. In everything I've said right. Now, some maybe more than others, but I think I'm right a lot. <laughs> it's a good place to be. <laughs> it's a, it's, sometimes it's a dangerous place to be, too. Well, yeah. But I I'm, imagine sometimes it can also get to your head. A little bit. Yeah. We have good uh, – I've had good managers who've made sure I keep – Yeah. <laughs> who've said, uh, just relax. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Because I'll listen to them. Okay. <laughs> them I'll listen to. But I just have, I have, I, I, the one message I'm trying to get across here is I understand the privileged spot that I'm in on this show with these amazing people I work with on air mm-hmm. and the production team because freedom, freedom isn't allowed a lot in this form, let alone on morning television. Yep. Morning which, national. Television. Morning national, which is pretty notoriously light. I think we have a hell of a platform here, and and we've been allowed to do some significant things. Agree with it, don't agree with it. It's up to you. But um, I just think there, I think there is a standard politically in this country for certain things, and I'm lucky that I got to talk about it in this way, on this platform, with this many eyeballs on it, including the parties. I don't take that for granted at all i feel like we have a pipeline in i feel like we have that special phone like the bat phone in (laughs) and if we want to get a message out we can yeah and um you play it down the line as best you can because playing favorites then people tune you out sure um and no political party is that perfect no that i've learned yeah um but it's a hell of a spot i'm it's exhilarating it's exhilarating so speaking of um important conversations and messaging when i came on to do that segment around men's mental health you remarked to me that this was an important conversation that doesn't get had enough i wanted to pick your brain in a bit more of a long-form capacity here as to why you think that is why do you think that men's mental health in particular is lagging behind in a lot of a lot of areas it's um I don't know if I don't know if shame's the correct word. I don't think it is. There's another there's another word to better describe what I'm trying to articulate. But it's not like it's come like me, the discussion around mental health has definitely come a long way. But in 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 you know psychologist years, what are we really talking about? Like it hasn't been that long. No. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like we you know, we're I, still I, figuring it. We're out. still figuring it out. Yeah. And and pandemic you, didn't help. Yeah, that was the yeah, isolation. That for, that was that was the wall that was thrown up. Yeah. And um, but in terms of that discussion again, like it's been, it's 
you know, I people ask me sometimes about uh, my apologies for bringing it back to a sports analogy, but like Major League Soccer in North America. Major mm-hmm. League Soccer is our top soccer league, mm-hmm. and I'll be, I get asked sometimes, so so what's the what's the quality? Like, where are we at with this? I go, do you understand in soccer years how green that league is? Yeah. Like, with respect, that's not third division soccer in Britain. No. It's, it isn't. Yeah. I love. I watch more soccer than most people in this country. I can tell you for a fact, the quality, it's gotten better. But that league still started in 95, 96. How far do you want the quality to go? Yeah. What, it's like what is ma- that, like maybe two, maybe three generations worth of players? Max. Yeah. Max. In soccer years, that's a joke. Yeah. That's a bl- that's nothing. You have you have clubs in Europe that have been in operation since 1899. Yeah. <laughs> Sporting organizations still have it on their crest. The year. They throw it in your face. They're <laughs> proud of it. The discussion around men's mental health has been around since what? In a public open accepting maybe safe place a form maybe. maybe and that's stretching it how far do you expect it to go yeah. especially with uh, with that flat tire that was the pandemic and mm-hmm. everyone's going to stop and if anything it's set society back mm-hmm. uh, seven years from a mental health perspective maybe yeah. more we had uh, Dr. Jody Carrington an incredible psychologist from Alberta, come on. And she talked about how the pandemic essentially has created the the worst mental health crisis we've ever seen. But because we were so quick to jump back into everything the minute life became normal, quote unquote, we've essentially buried that under the rug. And it's slowly but surely creeping its head. And it's going to hit us like a brick wall and we're not going to realize how bad things really are. Because I, there's a lot of people who during that pandemic without the distractions no more sports on tv no more bars no more clubs no restaurants can't see your friends suddenly you're doing you're realizing what you're unhappy about that you've been distracting yourself with right whether it's your relationship your job your mental health your emotional health your physical health and two years later two years of that pandora's box has been opened now everything is back to normal you're throwing stuff back on top but that box has been opened and i think that's where we're seeing so many people like it's boiling to the surface and it's only going to get worse unless we proactively do something to change the narrative around that conversation absolutely you know there's a lot of discussion about like we're in toronto here there's a lot of discussion about what to do with a city that is a little rough around the edges right now very i wouldn't say a little i'd say very yeah I'm i'm being kind you're right and I still, like, traffic aside, I still say the biggest issue you got to deal with, and this is where Olivia Chow, I agree with her, is there are just people on our streets lost mm. right now for a variety of reasons. Um, and I see, and like, and where we are in town, you see it. Yep. And I don't, I don't know what you, I don't know where you go in trying to help with that. I mean, I, I, resp- I respect I respect treatment and I respect uh, city programs and I, I, I respect all the funds that that needs and the efforts. There needs to be other aspects around that, I believe, to try and get people to a point where normalization has returned because it was, cause it was a moment where if you were down on your luck too fucking bad, was the other part of that. So we're all we're all shut in watching Ted Lasso at home and and some folks couldn't make it. They literally couldn't make it even with CERB, even with federal yeah. funds. Yeah. And you're still seeing that like I I'll, I'll never forget cuz my one of my last shows at my last show in studio Timmonson was like March 10th or 11th of 2020, that Friday before everything yeah. went and then I hadn't been in a studio for a long time. And then I started at Breakfast Television 2021. I really hadn't consistently come back downtown for a year. And when I came back downtown, I couldn't, I didn't recognize it. Hmm. I did not recognize it. Now, there were a lot of reasons for that. But 
the folks were hurting in every possible way. Yeah. And it was not a time where the city, the city were, were so consumed with getting people vaccinated to return to normalcy. Normalcy was lost whether people were vaccinated or not. That's Toronto lost an identity mm. in, in, in several ways. Um, and, and again, I applaud people for the, for the attempts to vaccinate as many people as you can. I didn't agree with John Tory on everything. He did a hell of a job with that. But people just got lost in that system where if you were financially desperate going into that pandemic, good luck to you. Yeah. And you still see the after effects of that. It's just still desperate today. human beings yeah. out on the streets combined with new Canadians who are coming in who are like, what do I do now? Yeah. So you were right. The, listen, we can, again, you could probably do a 10-part series on that pandemic and the effect on men's mental health and mental health generally. Yeah. All I can tell you is it, Toronto changed and, and, and whatever, whatever the conversation was around men's mental health, which was gaining steam, definitely it has taken you know we're gonna we we, we gotta recalibrate here yeah. and and take care of each other a bit better and then when that's done kind of continue those conversations because regardless of, of what your situation was in that pandemic you got you weren't okay none of us were okay um some of us worked through it and it was healthy and it was good and if you know that works for some people um but, you know, it, we definitely took a step back. On that same segment that we did together, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. And it's funny that you did because that's who I was thinking of as, as we were talking. Um, and you were there. You were still in the sports world when that happened. Would that have been a breakthrough moment for conversations around mental health in the sporting world? Because yeah. it seems to be a very closeted conversation still. I mean, like you see it today the Maple Leafs backup goalie talks about it and it's almost like people are like well what is this this is some new thing and when I remember when DeRozan talked about it he was celebrated to some degree but also criticized heavily and I th the sense I get is that athletes are fearful of having these conversations because then it can affect their next contract it can affect how the teams see them are they mentally fragile can they play in this league from your point of view, being there when that happened, what did you see? It was it was um, like it, it was an important thing for Demar to do, because Demar like there was a lot going on with Demar at the time, like the divorce, but also like I always I when when the Raptors won that title, I thought about Demar a lot. Couldn't have been easy. No shit. And it wasn't no him shit. that decided to leave. No. He was, he was, no one wanted, like Toronto sports fans are very sensitive to people wanting to stay because often they don't up here. The taxes are stupid. It's not the States. You're not on ESPN every day, blah, 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 blah. And the, here's a kid from Compton. All he wanted to do was be a Raptor. <laughs> yeah. And unlike the Leafs, he won playoff series. <laughs> Him and Kyle won playoff. Like they were getting close yeah. in theory. And he gets shipped off in the gutsiest trade in Toronto sports history, and it worked. But I thought about DeMar a lot during that run. So, like, the personal stuff, you had the personal stuff he was going through. There's no way that Toronto, that Raptors run, he was happy for, he, you know, he had, like, family members in that room, essentially. Like, Kyle and, like, people he loved, generally. Yeah. Genuinely loved. But that could not have been easy to watch. No. He wasn't rooting against the Raptors, but he's a human being. <laughs> so... I think there was a lot of things with DeMar that were significant in that moment for him to say that. Because the one thing I've learned after that is because athletes did follow in all types of sports. Is that still, if you if you let people into your life like that, all teams care about is what can you do. Like, I, that's what I also learned about organizations. Is DeMar let us know. What do you need? And he's still a guy who has produced and puts up numbers and has a tremendous NBA career. Tremendous. Yeah. So what he did was, like, his career didn't flinch. He was honest with everyone. He was inspirational to a lot of people. Yeah. I, be I believe Kevin Love followed not long after he did, that. Yeah. 
Um, it is not uncommon during the course of an NHL or baseball season anymore to have someone post on social media notes saying, I need to take a break. Doesn't make a ripple anymore. And organizations only care about the one thing. Are you okay? And whether you stay or go isn't based on that. It's, can you produce? Hmm. They will, they're, they're, organizations are easy to read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately it's, but the support systems have changed like this, like just at the time of this taping, this Ilya Samsonov story with the Leafs, it's clear he's struggling mentally. Mm-hmm. It's obvious. And they sent him, they sent him down to the Marlies essentially just to take a breath. He didn't play a game. Just take a breath, get away from the spotlight, get away from the media. They called him up just yesterday. They didn't let him talk to the media. I think it's the right call. I think teams need to look at more protecting you know, their players. Pr- protecting their players. But again, like DeMar kind of started that conversation. I think it was a very significant thing he did. Yeah. Very significant. Because under Mike Babcock, let's say, if Ilya Samsonov was having a hard time, do you know what happened to Ilya Samsonov? Gone. Just get out of here. Yeah. The Leafs, at least, and it's selfish reasons too, because they really kind of need him to play well, but they're respecting his space. And saying, "Well, we're going to try and help you." Mm-hmm. The attitude has changed, even in a market like Toronto. The attitude has changed. So, so it all goes back to kind of that moment with Demar. Yeah. Still very, you know, still in a significant moment in his career. Still an elite scorer and a guy you can depend on to do a lot of things. And um, I think, I think uh, I, I will always applaud Demar Derozan for that. And getting to know him a little bit, like I covered him a little bit when he got drafted uh, out of USC. He was just a, like, just a, look like a good teammate, like a good guy to have in your organization. And um, I'm, I'm happy that's how it played out because there was a time in sports where if someone were to go public with how they were struggling, you're gone. Yeah. And I'm happy that's not the case anymore. I think it, it's a, it's a healthy thing for Yeah, we've definitely come a long way in that regard, especially in the sporting scene. Because, I mean, from a from the lens of men's mental health, obviously there's a lot of men out there that look up to athletes. That's their source of inspiration. And if the athletes are the ones having these conversations, it tends to normalize that conversation for the ones watching them, the, the, the young boys watching it who want to grow up to be just like them. I think that helps shift the narrative around those conversations. And, again, it doesn't take away from you know how much of a man you you are or become it just means you're trying to actually become a better version of yourself a better human take care of yourself and i think that we've struggled with that for quite a long time and that's why when i see the athletes have these conversations and athletes in full transparency and and i'm completely okay saying it on this here have been a hard uh space to crack in terms of getting guests on this podcast because I think they're, whether it's the athlete or whether it's, to your point earlier, the PR folks around the athletes who don't want them to, to say something. How often things. have you tried? Sorry to jump in. How often have you tried to do that? Uh, quite often. Um, I would say, so we had Jonathan Osorio on. He was our second episode. And that was a fantastic episode because he came on and he was just like. Oh, so fantastic. He was. Yeah. And he, he just came on. And it's funny because uh, when he came on, the person that was with him turned to me and said uh you know like he doesn't generally talk about these things out loud so you know just be prepared that you might not get what you're looking for and i'm like yeah totally i just want to have a good conversation and it was maybe you know a quarter into the episode where he just started talking about how no matter how well he played he couldn't get everyone to love him and that just kept weighing on him and he was like i would score goals they would criticize me i would give it like 110 why didn't i give it 120 and on the days where I wasn't my best and I was able to get to 80, I was criticized for not giving it 100. And he's like, and I couldn't figure it out, and it just kept eating away at me. And that level of honesty, I thought, was so... Uh, I don't know what the word is here, but it was just refreshing to see an athlete speak in those terms. And of course, when we posted that episode and posted the clips of him saying that, the comments were very quickly, yeah, but it's just a millionaire crying about it. And that sort of connotation that athletes who make millions of dollars for the sport that they're playing don't have the ability or shouldn't get the luxury of having these conversations, I think is part of the problem. But I think but I think that's a really good example of like, I think the myth in terms of mental health discussion is 
all corners will be safe spaces. It's just not realistic. Hmm. You need two, three, four. Your tried and true places you can go to, people you can go to, departments you can go to, however you define it. That's to me, that's the only support that you can depend on. Because that kind of clown that would leave that kind of comment for Osorio, that's not going anywhere. That, it's just not going anywhere. It's not realistic. What's realistic is knowing, knowing what levers you can pull to get back to where you need to be. And for an athlete, that must be, like, I can't even, I can't wrap my head around what it's like to be a top-level professional athlete at times, considering at times I've gone on the radio and criticized people. Like, literally, my job was to, maybe not criticize all the time, but to talk for three hours about the game last night. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 do, I do laugh when I see an athlete. I got, I got here's, here's a secret. Whenever an athlete says or writes, I don't listen to what's going on on social, they are 1,000% listening to what's going on on social. That is the biggest poker tell in professional sports history. It's You could read them like a book. If we're at the final table at the World Series of Poker, it's over. Because <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. But... Um, the, have, key, the key is to kind of put this down. Do you ever have athletes call you out for, for the criticisms? Y- yeah. Yeah, a little bit. A little, but not often. Hmm. But not often. I, mean, um, I imagine there's a fine line between criticizing a player for their performance the night before and criticizing a person. There is a line. Yeah. There is a line. And, I mean, I've seen sports journalism and cross that line. At times, yeah, like it's bigger, like it's a bigger money business down in the states. Yeah, that kind of, but like it's 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 a beast in that. Like, that's that to a certain extent. That's what people want to consume. No, I mean controversy sells. Controversy sells. It's and it has like this is, (laughs) that's a tale as old as time. Like this is nothing new. Yeah, you know if you, you know I've. I've seen shows like I've seen shows I've heard shows where it's like literally the plan is to sit there for two hours and go everything's great and I it th- I don't know how enthralling that is for for a consumer of media it's a sad state of affairs uh, like I get it that's not the way it should be it's not a nice way to go about business and criticizing people on field of play and whatever but um I have I have found there is a market for that, hmm. and I've and I'm and I've been guilty of it. I've, I've fed that beast for sure, one hundred percent. And um, how did you feel about yourself after doing it? If I felt I was right, I was okay with it. Okay. It's fun. It's you know what? It's funny you bring up Demar because there was one. I'll give you this. There was one specific incident with Tim and I, where. It was um, it was during the year, and we were just kind of we were coming off a playoff. Like like Demar and Kyle, when when the Raptors weren't winning series with Demar and Kyle, it was it, it had to be on them, for the most part, until yeah. Masai kind of built the team differently. But if they weren't shooting the ball well, it was over. So we just so we, we just brought up a couple stats on air, like stats. It wasn't personal opinions. It was just kind of factual stats. Factual stuff. Yeah. And. They were in they were in the New York area and I think the like on the bus, Kyle and Damar tweeted back at us and reposted the clip. It's kind of like like really? Shake my head kind of thing. Like it wasn't even it was pretty tame for both of them too. Like it was nothing. But that's one where it was like we kind of got a little bit of that back. Right. Um but it hasn't happened a lot. I think I think athletes are told to don't do that. If you if you can avoid it, don't yeah. do that, because yeah. um, it just draws attention to some things that are distractions. Sure, like my jo- like my jobs go out there and talk sport at the time. Like that's I get paid. Yeah, we get paid. So like, if you're paying to if if you're paying a lot of mind to that, 
I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And it wasn't. And again, it wasn't. There was nothing personal in it. It was we were well, statistically going through things. Yeah. We were doing our job. Yeah. But it can happen, and I get it. And I'm actually a little surprised it didn't happen more. <laughs> if I'm in being Toronto, blunt with you, because yeah, yeah. we had a like whether it was the Jays or whether it was like Raptors, Leafs, we talked a lot about specific teams. And I mean, you had your moments. <laughs> oh yeah. You get the oh. camera to look right at you and. I remember those. <laughs> it's a nice moment where you ask for the close up and they give it to you. Yeah. I, it's very egotistical. <laughs> were those scripted? Great. I got to ask. Were they scripted? No. No. They, I didn't think they no. were. That was like. <laughs> but they were so good. I appreciate it. Yeah. But like, I, I don't. I think, I think, I look at TV maybe a little different. Like, I think there should be more of that in the moment radio feel with TV. Yeah. And breakfast television is. Gives you that. We're doing the same thing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it if it's if it's really scripted, I'm out. Mm. I can't do it. Okay, so let me ask you a question here. You've been in this industry thirty years or so. See, now you're freaking me out with the thirty years, but we're getting there. Is it? Yeah. No. Just under. I'm forty six. I started when I was twenty. Okay, so I'm forty six. So twenty six years. Jeez. Hold on a second. Let me digest that. <laughs> thirty years. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> All right. You good? I'm going to regroup. We're good. You're good. Okay. Good. So, 26 years in this industry, going on 30. 26 going on 30. <laughs> what advice what advice would you give your younger self? If you were able to go back in time and talk to young Sid about the start all the stuff you've learned along the way, all the roadblocks, the hurdles, the failures, the successes. What's one thing you would go to young Sid and go, before you start on this journey, know this? Um, can, I, can I say two things? You can. You can say three if you want. Three's a lot. <laughs> I'm going st- to leave it at two. two. Safe <laughs> spot. That's a, lo- <laughs> a lot of works. Uh, one is social media is not real. Social media is not an actual reflection of what is happening. Because there have been, there have been times where I've gone. I've been at events. I'll never forget this. I've been at events where there were people there who I know had been trolling me for years online, years who bought me a beer and it was delicious and I walked out of there and I went you fuck (laughs) 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 like how do you do that how do you how do you how is that part of your day just be consistent (laughs) that's all I want (laughs) Troll me in person. I'm too, con- I feel like I'm consistent with people. Yeah. I feel like that's a sign of respect. Yeah. No surprises. Yeah. Whichever way I wake up that day, for the most part, you kind of know what you might get. I think that's all people want in this world. I really believe that. And the other thing is try not to sweat all of the small stuff. Because the small, because the, the the tough part with that, especially from a mental health standpoint, is the small stuff sometimes in the moment doesn't feel small. Feels like the biggest thing in the world. Until you get 46. And then things might look a little differently. And, you know, I would say those two things. Mm. But I would never tell them to not be competitive. I would never tell them to not stop thinking about what could be. Because even now, like my juices for this business are still very flowing. Like I'm, I'm an ambitious person and I love it. I love it. The business is amazing. It's, it's cutthroat. It's a, it's a dangerous time. You don't know what financially is around the corner. Things have gotten tough. I'm not ignorant to any of that, but I'm on a hell of a team. We're on a hell of a platform and we bust our ass and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. And people are with us like people watch 
which is nice. <laughs> it's always a good place as long as someone's watching. I Honestly, guess. like yeah. we've been like Meredith Shaw is amazing, the team is amazing, and I'm I'm still excited to start every day, and that's how you know you still love it. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Yeah, I'm I'm very lucky. There's been stresses. There's stresses in the industry, but I'm lucky. You're a lucky. Guy. I'm present enough to know that I'm pretty lucky. Amazing, Sid. Thank you so much. Come here. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. This was fantastic. This was wonderful. Great talk. We definitely have to do a part two. And thank you for helping us uh, put these conversations on the map with that segment. No, look, so. anytime. It's an, it's an important discussion. We need to, there's been a setback, obviously. Let's amplify it further anytime. Absolutely. So I've earned a second show. Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Maybe, maybe a little less banging on the table. With the ring too. We'll, talk, the... we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it. Sorry. Old habits die hard. Sorry, Thank you bro. so much, everybody. Take care. <laughs>